Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. You better not pout. You better not cry, you better not shout, I'm telling you why. Cause J-Rod Concerts, the podcast is about to begin. Hey everybody, Jamie Rodriguez here, your J-Rod Concerts representative. Thanks for listening. How was Thanksgiving? How was the food? Everyone did well? I did. Had a lot to eat and it was quite nice. I had been gluten-free, but uh, no gluten-free at this state. Uh, lots of gluten delicious stuff and let's get started with some gluten free music guys this band is creating an incredible buzz in the bluegrass world they're incredibly talented they are nashville based ladies and gentlemen they are called secret hollow you may have heard of them because they really are everywhere and uh, ever since we moved to nashville we've wanted to to, ta- to talk to them um, it's been a pleasure to finally have them on they just released a great new album called brightest of days so we sit with all of them, Alex King, Will Heron, Matt Rennick, and Parrish Gabriel, and they share some great stories, guys. Uh, you know, Alex King opens up about some years that he had in rehab and how they shaped him, both as a human and as a guitar player. We also talk with uh, everybody else about the release strategy nowadays of singles versus album. We talk about the hype of the band. We talk about uh, being on the road and, and, and what that means on a psychological perspective. Just a great chat, and thank you to the Secret Hollow guys for uh for coming on the show and uh, make sure to, to see them live guys they are an experience dates and more at secrethollow.com uh so let's get on with it thank you guys for joining if you're new to the show please click uh click subscribe give us a review that stuff helps a lot uh secret hollow on jrod concerts the podcast gentlemen Hello, Hello. boys. Ever since we stepped foot into Nashville, we've been waiting a long time to have you guys on the show. Oh, nice. I mean, I I haven't met a lot of you, but I've met Alex a few times. Always, always barefoot, always in. Not today, got the boots on, baby. Look at that. Look at that. By the way, Will, Matt, and Paris, when did you realize about Alex's, you know, barefoot connection to the universe? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a Paris question, right? Uh, it's the thing, man. You know, <laughs> it was more. He's there for most part too. It, it was more of a thing whenever we first started playing, and I'll explain this really quick. Um, my pedal board started getting bigger and small. I started getting more pedals, and I'd find myself on stage clicking the pedal, and it would go in between my toes, so it wouldn't actually click it. So I started wearing like sandals on stage. He actually is the one nowadays who doesn't wear, who goes barefoot on the stage more often. He does have less less pedals too. Yeah. So, but yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, big squares. Yeah. I got called out at Cave Fest. We were on stage, and somebody was like, "Take your shoes off." So, and then I applied. <laughs> you know, I kicked my Birkenstocks off, so I was almost barefoot. But we're we're at a new era. So, at certain shows, I'm barefoot. That used to be the thing, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, we thought you had a direct connection, a bluegrass connection to the to the to the underground, if you will. It was really, yeah, I think it is rooted in that too. Yeah, it felt good to just feel the ground, especially at first when you didn't worry about the pedal board as much, right? You know, so because that was my, I mean, when I went, he's an earth boy. I won't go off into too much, but when I went to Belmont, 
I was the only, I would go barefoot to class and I'd be the only person walking around barefoot on campus and in class too. But it was just like, I don't know. I liked uh, yeah, feeling connected and walking through the grass on my way to class. And I don't know. Was Look, that like helpful with the ladies, Alex? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, maybe naturally <laughs> will, you know? Not the ones that like feet. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not see any particular uh, correlation to the barefootness and mm -hmm. the ladies, but um, that's right. an question i don't know maybe maybe there, maybe there was maybe there was already an amazing podcast guys but yeah we have so many questions for you guys let me just dive in because we really love you guys i mean you guys are like some of the talk of the bluegrass world i mean bluegrass titans i have to say guys i mean opening up for the string dusters we've seen you guys play major venues cbgb the brooklyn ball here bunch right. of places but let me ask you this, and Matt, let, let, let me like start with you, Matt. Like at the end of the day, is any of this important for you, the hype and kind of getting some buzz around town on the bluegrass world, or does it not matter? Um, well, honestly, I just I'm not really as much aware of it, I guess. Cause when you're you're saying all these things, I'm more like, oh, I, are we? I'm like, you know, like I don't really like keep track. I'm more just kind of, you know, continuing on to the next thing, whether it's a sacred project or it's I'm working on my other side projects and stuff. Um, you know, it's just like all I just focus on the music as much as I can. And I don't really worry about what are, you know, what, where we're at right now. I just know where we are and like, how am I, how are we going to get to like the next step right. through just creating a new thing? You're in it. You're in it. Yeah. That's what I, at least I try to be. I think it's the best way uh to to not overthink because when you start thinking about all that kind of stuff like it gets overwhelming a little bit so you got to kind of take a step back absolutely absolutely and alex are you the type of guys that you know that say you know let's say you write down a song and i don't know what your process is but everything you know that you've created already has become kind of like a thing like secret hollow is like an institution um like say like the lyrics to secret of the breeze or your first instrument in alabama like do you keep any of this stuff like do, you, do are you are you keeping like an arc like, like an archive like a cave of secret hollow like mementos um let me get that straight like what like what do you mean keeping mementos like lyrically or like song yeah well like you guys are like you know are becoming like an institution and i just came back from the rock and roll hall of fame this weekend and everything is like the first handwritten lyrics or oh, like the yeah, first yeah. instrument you know what i mean yeah, definitely a lot of my lyrics are like on um we live in a digital era so which is i like handwriting lyrics but i can just pull my phone out and jot down my, my notes on my phone are insane but um we do tim is really good our manager he's really good at keeping like everything for the archives and like i have the hanging on my wall i have the original painting of the album cover of secret of the breeze as well and all of our first posters and all that type of stuff so we do yeah we we definitely are thinking in terms of like longevity for the band how it would be cool Absolutely. to go back in you know 10 years from now oh here's our first t-shirt or here's our first hat pin or whatever you know here's the first copy of the red we do have all of that yeah absolutely and Paris. To think about that to care about something like um enough to like view it like where there is enough potential here to like oh yeah you know down the line people would not sell it or whatever you know what no it wouldn't be a monetary game but it'd be like cool for us to have like these these items that like i were identifying points of the of the timeline of the band if that makes sense absolutely i mean you guys are creating like a real bluegrass legacy so like yeah you should totally you know kind of like keep an eye on this stuff oh um, yeah, 100%. And Paris, let me ask you this, because you look like a guy that's, you know, 
that has lived and has seen good records, good vinyl, good complete albums for a while. Do you, what do you think of this like strategy? You know, like you guys have been releasing stuff lately, like, you know, Little Miss Tipsy or Forecast of Life, like these singles every six weeks, every fourth weeks. Do you like that approach or did you prefer that like old school, like here's the album guys, here's like something we have to tell, you know? Uh, <clears throat> so I think with the most recent year, we've kind of done both um with releasing the three singles and then uh coming soon we have the album coming out and uh i think that they kind of serve different purposes like some songs just are fun to just release them as their own entity but then there's also i would say that sometimes albums piece together to be a whole unit um i throwing up was definitely into uh just like the idea of listening to a record from the back, like if I'm going to listen to a Rush album or listen to Rush, like listening to a whole album is great. Like, you know, I'm, I grew up at one point I had tapes. So it's like, we weren't skipping track track. So like, I do love the idea of like 12 songs that are very purposely put together. Yeah. I'm always going to prefer to release whole albums, but I think it's important for us to release singles so that we can kind of... Just make, we just we just want to get stuff out, you know. I think that's a big thing. It's like we, as a group, uh, are all kind of thirsty to just like get everything we have to say or feel just out there. So we don't. Uh, I would say we wouldn't get as much out if we weren't also into the singles. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Right on, guys. Guys, and another thing I was thinking about, you know, in research with you guys a few days ago is, you know, you guys are road warriors, and we love that. I mean. We have a lot of mutual friends here in Nashville, and I admire that so much. But you guys look great. You guys look really healthy. But, you know, in order to do the shows that you guys do, being on the road so much, I mean, I'm always curious about this. Have you ever, like Alex or, or whoever, have you ever talked to your therapist about this? Because I'll tell you what, like I used, you know, I used to do a lot of radio back in Miami, and I couldn't take a break even more than the shows that I was contracted to do it. And, you know, I, I did a little bit of like therapy and there was like some sickness to that. I'm wondering right. if you've ever like looked into that, like, or that deep, that deeply. Yeah. I look at it that deeply every, all, all the time. Yeah. It, it, it definitely takes a toll on the mental state to be, you know, it's more about being out there and then coming back is the back coming back is like the more, the harder part after a long trip, but you know, it's, yeah, I've definitely gone that route and uh, has definitely helped me a lot going through some therapy and stuff about that and other things, you know, so. Right, it's, because it's, I would, I would imagine after you guys are playing, you know, these two thirty thousand people making them like rave, you know, coming back to Kroger to get like some band-aids, that's gotta be like, that's gotta fuck up with you a little bit. Although, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, it, it's, it, it definitely like makes me feel really, anxious um and just like wanting wondering what's next <laughs> very like intensely well I, I, i'm glad you guys like are talking about it but like you know you guys are obviously doing a good balance and alex i have to ask you about this mm -hmm. you started playing guitar at 15 but it wasn't until later that you took it to another level and that was you know about six years later when you when you went to rehab in baton rouge and uh, you've talked a little bit about this but you can talk as much or as little as you want but how was that breakthrough like in rehab? Like when you kind of like had that breakthrough that you could redirect your demons into like your passion for music and like go to that next step. 
Yeah, it was wild. It was insane, honestly, because I had completely given up guitar. I was never very good at it, though, you know, it was never my thing, um, except for partying and maybe taking it out occasionally. But I mean, I completely gave it up, um, just started, you know, getting heavy into pills and alcohol and whatever, really. Um, and going to rehab. Was it? Was it because? And I, and the reason I asked this, I, I was just and not 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 to brag or anything, but I was just in the rock hall and Eminem. He said, "Haley, cover your ears. I almost die of an overdose because drugs tasted so fucking good." Right. Uh, yeah. Do, do you kind of relate to that? I thought that was kind of like an interesting statement. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because I used to chew up pills and like literally taking that like verbatim, like there was a time in my life where I would literally chomp them. And so if you're taking that literally, yeah, but I mean, it was, it was an interesting time in my life. I was young. I was, you know, a lot of, a lot of shit was going on and um, you didn't really have the right ways of going about handling that and also right. surrounding yourself with people who are um, on the same path and who are doing the same things you don't really, um, you view it in a different way because it's more accepted. And nowadays, like it would, you know, if any of my friends were, you know, eating three Xanax bars and drinking a 12 pack of booze, like I probably, I would be hanging out with them. But like at the time, like that was, you know, acceptable. I mean, this, I was in Auburn and it's this party town, you know, and um, 30,000 other kids there, a lot of them are doing the same thing. But um I'm glad I ended up in rehab and we don't, we don't have to go too, too far. Oh, no, no. As much as you want, man. I, yeah, absolutely. Cause I don't want to make it all about that, but um, yeah. yeah, if I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have, we would, we, the band wouldn't be together. I wouldn't have started absolutely. writing music. No, no fucking chance. I met absolutely. some guys in rehab um, who were not afraid to play and sing in front of us. And I became friends with them and um, I got reacquainted with, um, music a passion for listening to music after i'd done a month in rehab i was able to get a cd player and kind of start integrating back into attempting to get a job and stuff as you work your way up and i remember getting like working man's dead which is a grateful dead album mm -hmm. and i remember just trying to pick along to like dire wolf was like the one and i'm like when i kind of got dire wolf down and like sing the tune by myself and um Yeah, and we would just do random stuff. Like, I'd play a little finger-picking progression that I knew, and, like, guys who were just hanging out would start ad-libbing, like, just making up stories to it. So we had this, like, community sense where people were kind of encouraging me to, like, do it because it was – we didn't really have much else to do there sometimes. And, um, yeah, if without that, I would definitely would not have made it to Nashville. But my my really breakthrough happened in in nashville after i had already picked up a little bit of steam and rehab with it enough to where i was like okay like maybe i'll sing or i wouldn't sing in front of anybody really it took a little while for that but um once i met these guys you know it it, it lit a flame in me really watching matt play the violin was like all right man like he can't take every single solo every time he's his, his arms get worn out, you know? he's like guys like hell dying I love it, so, man. So then those of the grindstone, you know, COVID hit and like yeah. um, we had a lot of time on our hands and we, I, I can speak for myself. I utilized it very um, appropriately, I think. You know, I played guitar for hours and hours and hours a day, eight hours a day for a while. I treated it like a job, you know, woke up, set my alarm for eight o'clock in the morning, got up, started flat picking, tried to get four hours in before taking a little break and then jammed the whole you know by that point it's only noon in the afternoon so like 
it, it, it was, it was me utilizing my time, but it all did start in rehab, like yeah. getting, well, getting the love for life back, like figuring out how to do anything without getting high out of my mind, you know? So, um, that's great. Yeah, it, was a, it was a beautiful time. Hindsight's 2020 and looking back, I'm like, I wouldn't change anything, but like exactly. in the moment I was like, why is this happening to me? But, um, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. It's a very, very pit or pivotal, monumental moment in my life. So, absolutely, and and thank you. You know, thanks for that. I I did want to touch on it because I think it's a big part of your story, and people will listening can you know always remember that the comeback is always better than the setback. And right. you know, Secret Hollow, our representation of this. You guys are in the Mount Rushmore of today's bluegrass titans, along with Billy Strings and Molly Tuttle, and you guys are somewhere in there in the in the you know top ten, top five. And you know, it's because you created light out of that darkness. So that's why I wanted to touch on that. So thank you for that, Alex. Yeah, and a lot of the tunes are like based upon that. You know, if you can, I don't like blatantly say. Actually, in some songs, I do like I'll, I'll mention things directly. But like, yeah, a lot of it is. Uh, directly related to that struggle and I think people can parallel a lot of different things in in their life with addiction whether that's with substances or whatever it may be that you're struggling with you know um yeah I think the words and um the overall message can apply to a lot of aspects that absolutely. just with that darkness you know absolutely well guys you guys are being so good with your time and there's a little rumor that you may play a little a, a little uh, a song for us but but will let me leave you with this it will uh because we've been we've been raving about your playing when you play these long sets you know you're playing you know for all this you know cbdb and opening up for string dusters and the whole thing mm. and maybe you screw up towards i don't know towards the song refuge or whatever is that something that bothers you as you go into the next town? I remember hearing Tom Petty once saying that if he fucked up a note in Wildflowers, he would like almost like be depressed until the next show. Is, do you kind of relate to that? Oh, when the band first started, um, you know, like if you would scrutinize, and we still scrutinize ourselves a whole lot. But, uh, you know, man, now we play so many shows. If you mess one up, like, I don't know, a wrong chord or a wrong note, it's no big deal. No Just big deal. Remember, you're having fun up there. Right on. Right on, guys. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. Uh, is it true that you may play a little song for us? Is that the rumor? Yeah, I'm sure. We can throw something together for you. Yeah. Amazing. Man, what an honor. The Let's day do is downhill from here. I love it. Should we, uh, should we stand up for him? Oh, whatever. You guys feel comfortable. Pretend oh, you're jamming. Pretend you're jamming. And we're, you know, you're just jamming here with amongst yourselves. Now let's turn... You good, you good? How we wanna stand? You wanna get over here or have a have a beautiful. It's beautiful. Are right, we good? Good. Yeah, move it up a little bit. This way, like the oh, back, back yeah. way. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, we'll play you. Uh, we'll do one of the singles. We'll do one of the uh, singles on the upcoming album, which is out November 11th. Um, this one's called Forecast of Light. If your glass is half empty, you're drinking too fast. If your glass is half full, there's no thirst that will last. Cause it is what it is, and that's more of the same. You can't change the weather, but you can dance in the rain. You can 
unbelievable, guys. My chills have chills. Wow. Dude, <laughs> Alex, everybody, what an honor, guys. Thank you so much for your time. What a, what a great time. Oh, man, thank, thank you so you. much. Yeah, we really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. See you on the road. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.